Welcome to Reflections of Darkness. This is your gorgeous drag horror hostess Evil, coming to you from my lair of eternal damnation. As you are aware, tonight's movie is Night of the Creeps, and like many horror movies from the 80s, this one is set in a college, and focuses somewhat on the fraternity and sororities in said college. You know, for me, back a hundred years ago, movies like this both glorified and horrified the thought of going to a big college and pledging a fraternity. Now, I obviously took a different route. <laughs> But I always dreamt what my life would have been like if I'd been in a horror movie in college while pledging a frat and then get killed by alien pests. <laughs> well, before some big, thick, long thing tries to get into my mouth, we better get into tonight's main feature. Enjoy. Tonight we are reviewing The Night of the Creeps from 1986. Alright, we open up with the cool title card special effects, Night of the Creeps. And then we're inside a spaceship with a bunch of naked, scary baby aliens, and they're all chasing one of the other aliens who ejects something out into space. Now, every time I watch this movie, I always forget that opening with the big naked baby alien things. My only question is, why didn't they just paint them a different color? The skin tone, it again makes them look like big, giant, creepy babies. Or maybe that's why he did it. I don't know. Anyway, cut to Sorority Row, 1959. And it's in black and white, in the 50s. How very Pleasantville of them. <laughs> we cut to a man in a convertible, Johnny, picking up his date at the sorority house. While an important bulletin on the radio starts, Buddy turns off the radio, and he goes and picks up his date. Cut to Inspiration Point, or whatever it is, the local makeout spot, and a policeman comes up and starts to warn them about something, but stops when he sees the convertible guy's date. Apparently they used to date, so he gives them a vague go home and leaves. I wonder what he was going to say. Huh. Suddenly, a falling meteor flies right over them. So what does Johnny Convertible Guy do? He starts the car and goes looking for it. Um, did you learn nothing from the blob? <laughs> he parks, gets out, leaving the girl in the car, and he heads into the woods. While she's waiting in the car, we finally hear the full bulletin. Another update from the King Newsroom. Police continue the search for a 35-year-old escapee from the Crest Ridge Mental Institute who, officials confirm, killed four orderlies in a brutal spree early tonight. Crest Ridge police warned the man is armed with a large fire act and is believed to be moving west on Route 66 toward the Cormon University area. And where are they? Obviously they're on Route 66, right near Cormon University. <laughs> As Johnny finds the thing from space, someone with an axe walks up behind the convertible. Cut to Johnny, and something going down his throat in the woods. Been there. Cut back to the convertible, and the girl getting axed to pieces. <laughs> Time jump cut to Pledge Night 1986, and we meet two of our main guys, JC and Chris the Ginger. Then the Ginger sees the girl of his dreams, and she heads into the Beta house. And the Betas are the jocks, so not our Ginger's scene. Side note, the music so far in this movie is great. Then we meet Unibrow Steve and the girl of Chris's dreams, and her name is Cynthia. And we cut to the part where the two main guys want to pledge the betas so they can be frat guys so they can so Chris can get the girl of his dreams. And the head of the betas is the guy from Mama's family, Bubba, but now he's blonde and a douche. Now let me get this straight. You guys want to pledge the betas? Mm-hmm. That's, that's right. Well, now, what makes you guys think you're beta material? Hmm? I mean, we've pretty much found most of the guys we need to fill the rest of the semester. You'd have to have something special 
to offer. Gentlemen, the brothers and I can't make any promises at this point, but I do have a proposal. If you guys were willing to perform a little act of devotion, some task that would prove the sincerity of your feelings toward this organization. We don't have to have sex with a farm animal, do we? Interesting suggestion, uh, but no. We had something a little more challenging in mind. We find out that Cindy's boyfriend is the douche head of the betas, Brad. Meh. Cut to an underground lab with crazy security, and one of the scientists forgot his last number of his password, so he punches them all in the door except one. Then he goes somewhere else to a phone to call someone for the last number. Okay. So our main two guys come down to steal a body for the fraternity prank? So JC pushes one button and the lab opens, and it's this super fancy room with 1950s frozen Johnny in a tube. How about getting the shit scared out of you by a creepy, scary dead guy in a refrigerated coffin? sure he's dead well i mean i'm pretty sure we could safely say he's not well chris i wonder who he is walt disney how the hell should i know let's get out of here how long has he been here what am i a tour guide the guy's sealed up let's go wait a minute for what the cops jc our stupid mission is to find a cadaver and dump it on the front steps of the pog house i mean now this guy's obviously part of some experiment so let's just get out of here i don't see any other handy takeout corpses around here do you Cryogenic stasis system. Would you come on? Wow. Ah, you really didn't do that. Cryogenics. Cryogenics? Chris, do you realize what this is? You heard of freeze-dried coffee, right? Well, this is like a freeze-dried human. A corpsicle. You mean like suspended animation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you take someone while they're alive and you freeze them. And then you thaw them out a hundred years later like a TV dinner. We are talking total science fiction here. So JC starts flipping switches and then hits the big red button that says disengage and the cryotube opens. And as they start to take the body, the body's hand grabs JC so they freak out and run as the scientist shows up. The scientist kneels next to the body and the body sits up and something from Johnny's mouth goes into the scientist's mouth. Mm. So when our guys get back to their dorm room, JC has some words for Chris. <laughs> I mean, everything's a joke to you tonight. Hey, fuck you, Chris. Look, every single day, I put up your, with your moaning about what's-her-name and, and how you wish you could fall in love again, but you're too chicken shit to do anything about it. And then the Cynthia girl comes along. Dream girl, uh, 2001. And I say to myself, what the hell? I'm sure as hell never gonna get late, so I might as well help out my best friend, right? And then you say, JC, help. We gotta join a fraternity so she'll give me the time of the day. And I say, what the hell? You gotta do it, you gotta do it. And what do I do? I bust my ass to help you, and you get chicken shit again. And I push, and I push, and I don't give up. And why? Why? You don't even know. You don't even care. Because it's important to me that you're happy. Is that so crazy? And if we gotta act like jerks and get in trouble in order to do that, then what the hell? I mean, it's better than acting like jerks for no reason, right? So yeah, everything is a joke. It's hilarious, because if you, if you take it seriously, you just get depressed all the time, like you are. So fuck you. Yeah, well, fuck you too. You'd try it. You'd let me. You'd want me to. You wish. We done. I'm sorry I was an asshole. If you weren't such an asshole, even girls might like you. <laughs> um, 
I think JC is in love with Chris. Is anyone else getting this vibe? Hmm. Cut to sexy Tom Atkins on the beach in a white suit drinking out of a coconut as a blonde woman comes out of the ocean completely dry. Oh, then cut to him as a cop coming up behind the axe murderer, and the axe murderer turns around and he's a skeleton. Ah, it's a dream. And the phone rings. The detective picks it up, and he says, thrill me. He says that a lot in this movie. Back in the lab with the scientist. Detective Cameron? No. Bullwinkle Moose. Thrill me. Hey, Ray. You're looking at your actual cryogenics lab. They've had some kid's body on ICS since 1959. What is this, a homicide or a bad B movie? What's that? Was a grad student, lab technician. He was scheduled to work here this evening. Looks like he worked a little too hard, huh? Hmm. I suppose Rick Van Winkle will be the other body. Where is it? The other body isn't here, sir. What, do you have a date? What do you mean it isn't here? The coroner, Jake, did you take it? I just got here. I'm confused. I was told there were two bodies. Ramey. Yes, sir. First, knock out the yes, sir shit. Second, since when does a desk sergeant show up on a call? And third, you told me there were two bodies. Now, I only see the one. You do know the difference, don't you? I know it wasn't on the sergeant exam or anything, but if you use your little fingers, it's real easy. See? One, two. Piece of cake. Yes, sir. Well, there were two bodies, but uh, there was a dispatch problem and, you know, where were you guys? Well, uh, sir, th there was a problem. dispatch problem, sir. Dispatch problem. Anyway, look, uh, I came down and uh, met the night janitor. And got a statement, of course. This shit is getting old real fast. You know I was awakened out of a real pleasant dream to come down here. Are you going to straighten it out, Ramey, or am I going to play poop patrol with your nightstick? I screwed up. I sent two rookies down here on a case like this, and uh, at some point, they both went to the... They went to the bathroom. All right, that's fine, fine. Candy, yes, but fine. Why are coroners always eating in movies? It's such an odd thing, but they put it in so many movies. No, I, no one would do that. It's gross. Ugh, anyway. Anyway, the detective is looking for two bodies, and only one is there, and no one is taking responsibility. And then he says one of the things you should never say in a horror movie. Corpses that have been dead for 27 years do not get up and go for a walk by themselves. Cut to the corpse walking away by himself, going somewhere. Then we cut to our sorority house, and one of the sorority sisters wants to store her science project, a bunch of brains, in the basement of the sorority house. Okay, gross. We keep seeing shots of the corpse walking towards the sorority house slowly, and no one notices him. A big, white, naked zombie shuffling towards the sorority house that seems buzzing with activity, and no one sees him? Um, yeah, okay. Okay, can I just say the decor in this sorority house is hideous, even for the 80s? Ugh. Then we get the scene of the girl, and she hears a noise outside, and so she opens the door, and it's a cat jump scare. Ugh. Upstairs, our main girl Cynthia's room, and she hears something hitting the window. Cut to naked corpse guy throwing pebbles at the window like old times. Then he climbs the fire escape, and bam! Corpse offers a rose to Cynthia, and his head splits open, and a bunch of slugs fall out and scatter. So, of course, the police are called, including our detective, and the detective is walking over besides the sorority house and asking about the house mother's cottage and having these weird flashbacks of digging and a body in plastic. What'd you think of me? Knock it off. Did that look to you like it, uh, like it could have been done with an axe? I said, stop it. That psycho disappeared 27 years ago. And you know it. You, um... 
get off on living in the past. We see the newspaper the next day, a headless corpse found in front of Kappa Delta, as our two main guys come out of the building and are suddenly surrounded by a bunch of betas. That was not too cool, bros. Okay, so we put you up to it. But we said the Phi Omega Gamma House, not the Kappa Delta sorority. Do you know the difference? It's all Greek to me. <clears throat> it was a little joke I was kidding about. A lot of girls were seriously freaked out last night because of you. Wait a second, okay? Uh, listen, brother uh, Brat Skeller. A, that uh, whole stunt was your Nobel Prize winning idea. And B, we didn't even pull it off. We chickened out, okay? So why don't you just get off our case and go practice goose-stepping or something? Then douche Brad kicks JC's crutches out from under him, and Cindy flips Brad off and realizes he's a complete douche, finally. Then the cops show up and take our two main guys to the police station for an interrogation. Hmm. So the boys tell the story about what happened the night before, and we all watch the movie and we all know what happened, I just said it a minute ago. Cut to the coroner's office, where he's eating again, and he hears a noise, and the guy on the table sits up and walks out of the room with his toe tag still on. <laughs> There's some really good effects in this movie. We see the night janitor as the dead scientist turns the corner right in front of him. Screen goes black. Then we get a shot of a bunch of slugs sliding around outside all over campus, and one, head and one heads towards the house mother's cottage. Then Cindy gets a call from the Bradster. He is such a douche. She doesn't care. Cut back to the room, and the girl opens the door expecting the cat again. And it was the cat, but the cat had no face and a worm coming out of his eye. Blech great effect but yeah cut to the detective's house and he's going over all his old files and stuff and he gets another call from the university as someone finds the scientist's body back at chris and jc's dorm room cindy shows up and then they all go for a walk as cindy tells them about the dead cat and the dead guy that came to her window so jc being a good friend leaves them to be alone um listen you guys i i really have to use the nearest uh, facility so I'll, I'll be right back okay Right. Go for it, partner. I mean, she's misplaced her marble collection. Definitely go for it. So where does JC go to use the facilities? Obviously in the building with the zombie janitor. <laughs> While in the bathroom stall, JC hears weird noises. He opens the door and sees the janitor with his head split open and a bunch of slugs slithering around. He lights a match and sets the matchbook on fire, then burns one of the slugs. Apparently they are super combustible. Then one of the slugs goes up his pant legs, and then we are led to believe one goes in his mouth, but we don't see it. Poor JC. Cut to the sorority, and Cindy asking Chris to the formal. Aww. As Chris is leaving the sorority, he runs into the detective, and the detective takes him back to his place, and they have a drink and a chat. Zombies, exploding heads, creepy crawlies, and a date for the formal. This is classic Spanky. Tell me something, Spanky. Did you have a high school sweetheart? I had a high school sweetheart. So? What happened to her? I blew it. She decided we didn't ever need to talk again. Me? I, uh, I became a cop. I've been a rookie about two weeks. We got the call. Highway patrol, they uh, saw a car on the side of the road. It was a couple. Guy's body was in the woods 20 yards from the car. My partner found him. I found the girl. I found her in the car and on the road and in the woods. Your high school sweetheart went on with her life. I got hacked up by a nutcase with an axe. But that's not the fun part. The fun part's what happened next. What happened next? I found him. It wasn't what you call your routine police work either. What would you call it? Revenge. 
You see, I tracked him during my off hours. By yourself? Oh, no, 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 no. I took my 12-gauge with me. I tracked him and I found him. And when I found him, I leveled off that shotgun right at his chest. Should you be telling me this? I pulled the trigger. That's all real exciting and everything, but listen, I've got a midterm. I wrapped study. his body in a plastic bag. I buried him in a vacant lot, the lot right behind your girlfriend's sorority. Of course, it isn't a vacant lot anymore. Now the house mother's cottage is sitting right on top of it. Look, detective, now I don't mean to be rude or anything, but other than just kind of wanting to confess to a murder, is there a point to this story? Spanky, that's exactly what I'm trying to figure out. I saw that going back to his place for a drink going differently in my mind. <laughs> Cut to the mother's cottage, and she is dozing, watching Plan 9 from Outer Space. Great movie, you should watch it. When all of a sudden someone axes their way up from under the floor, then she gets axed in the face. Why the hell didn't she move? She just sat there and got killed. Ugh, some people in horror movies are so dumb. So the detective gets a call and heads towards the mother's cottage. So then they start looking around the neighborhood for the killer, and they find him. So they all surround the axe killer, and just like in his dream, the killer turns around and it's a corpse. And they all shoot him and shoot him and shoot him, and the detectives blows his head off, and then all these slugs just scatter. Great a scene, great effects. Oh, so good. Next day, Chris has a tux, and he hasn't seen JC anywhere, because he never came home last night. Then we get the getting ready for the formal at the sorority and the frat houses montage, which I kind of like. We end on Chris getting ready in his dorm room, and he notices a tape player on his desk. Oh, remember tape players? Anyway. He notices a tape player on his desk with a note that says, listen. Chris? There's one inside me. It got in through my mouth. I can feel it. It's in my brain. He was in love with his best friend. So, of course, Chris heads into the basement and finds JC's body and a bunch of burnt slugs. It's a really sad scene, because JC was probably the most likable character. <laughs> now he's dead. Oh well. Cut to all the beta bros getting on the bus to go pick up their dates, and the Bradster is drunk because he's not going to the formal. And he's out walking around as a dog comes up to him, and one of the slugs jumps into Brad's mouth from the dog. Ew. Not only slug breath, but dog slug breath. <laughs> Cut to the detective's house, and someone is banging on his door, and it's Chris. What? They got alfalfa. They get in through your mouth. And it lays in your brain. And, and, and you walk around while they incubate. You walk around even if you're dead. 
It looks like the detective was going to commit suicide by gassing himself to death, but he will have to do it later because he has work to do now. <laughs> Cut back to the bus of bros, and the driver swerves to miss a dog and straight into an oncoming truck. Bye-bye, beta bros. And we cut back to the police station, the detective requesting a flamethrower. But he doesn't have a requisition slip for it, so he uses a shotgun instead, and he gets the flamethrower. <laughs> so the bus crash is full of dead bodies, and the zombie dog goes on, and now all the bros are back. Cut to the sorority house, and Brad comes to the door as a zombie, though no one notices. And Cindy doesn't look at him forever. It's a funny scene, and the makeup on Brad is great. Chris and the detective show up, shoot and roast Brad, bye-bye Brad, douche. So Chris gives Cindy the flamethrower, and we get the iconic line from the detective. I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. So they start shooting and flambeing all the bros and the tuxes, but somehow they get cornered into a tool shed and they start fighting, and Chris uses a lawnmower on unibrow zombie. It's a really cool sequence. Chris notices a bunch of the slugs heading into the basement of the sorority house, and Cindy realizes that all those brains are down there, so they clear out the house and head into the basement. Now, I'm guessing all those brains were in formaldehyde, but I guess those slugs were frozen for whatever how many years, so I guess formaldehyde it doesn't affect them. <laughs> so they head down into the basement, where they find the detective with duct tape over his mouth and a can of gas. Then he starts counting down from 20 and throwing more gas and winks at Chris. And he and Cindy run out of the house, counting now. And when he gets to one... One. Detective. Thrill me. So he blows up all the slugs and himself and the sorority house. Could that have been all the slugs, though? I mean, they were all over town, all over the campus, in different buildings and stuff. Eh. Aw, Cindy kisses Chris as the fire truck shows up. Then we see the detective, burnt to a crisp, walking down the road. He falls face down as a bunch of slugs run out of him, I guess slither out of him, <laughs> and into the local cemetery as the camera pans up to see this huge spaceship with a spotlight searching the cemetery, I'm guessing for the slugs. The end. Well, that was Night of the Creeps from 1986. It's such a fun movie, and the director and writer Fred Decker also wrote and directed another of my favorite 80s horror comedies, The Monster Squad. With this movie, he crammed in a bunch of horror movie Easter eggs, especially all the names. Romero, Carpenter, Hooper, Cronenberg, Cameron, Landis, Raimi. A lot of horror movie tropes, but they all worked for this movie. I do wish we had a little more backstory on Chris and JC. They kind of just pop up mid-storyline at the party. But the soundtrack was great, the setting was good, the acting was pretty good, the special effects still hold up for me. Obviously, I have nostalgia with this film, but I still think it's one of the better 80s horror comedy college zombie alien slug movies out there. <laughs> so I give Night of the Creeps from 1986 9 out of 10 zombie brads. Now, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends to check out the Reflections of Darkness podcast, and feel free to message me any questions, comments, concerns, movie recommendations, whatever. All my information is over at evilqueensf.com. Well, that's enough horror for me tonight. As always, keep watching scary movies. At least we don't have to have sex with a farm animal. Hey, you might like it. Then you wouldn't want Cynthia anymore. That's not funny. No, really, I'm serious. Shut up.